lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Tuesday. Thanks for tuning in here today, live and on demand on Blaze TV radio podcast. Steve Dace here with Todd Erzin and Aaron McIntyre and all of you at 888-900-3393. That's 888-900-3393. Steve at stevedace.com is the email address. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Day Show. And if you're looking for clips of this show that you can sample for yourself, and then if you dig it, you can share it with others, go to youtube.com slash Steve Dace, youtube.com slash Steve Dace. Jam-packed Tuesday coming your way at the bottom of the hour. We are going to get into what may be the final nail in the coffin of American journalism, if it already had not been nailed shut. And that's what's gone on with the New York Times over the past few days. We will go in depth on that here at the bottom of the hour. That will lead into fake news or not next hour. For Pop Culture Tuesday, we're going to play a little game theory. So if we're going to tell all these athletes now that they have a platform and use it for their beliefs, especially the college players who are just starting to figure out what it is that they believe in most cases, what happens when you start seeing the diversity of opinion out there? What, what, what happens when some 24-year-old BYU player back from a mission puts on his shoes, married lives matter? What happens? Because what, you know it's coming. Mm-hmm. You know it is coming. I mean, it, it, these folks on the left operate in this bubble environment where they're largely surrounded by people who just think like them, and then they are able to ban people who don't perpetuate that mythology when they run into real life though and find out that's not the case when some college basketball player at a place like a gonzaga you know like a catholic school like that in january on his on his sneakers writes on his shoes baby lives matter for sanctity of life month what's going to happen let's 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 game theory this out shall we because I've seen this, you know, the block end that I'm wearing today with my favorite team. You know, a lot of our friends in the left, President Obama gave him a shout out. Our football coach, Jim Harbaugh, went out there in March with his players on against police brutality there in Ann Arbor. Do you guys remember what he was talking about a month ago? Did an interview with one of the editors over at the National Review on a podcast. Do you guys remember this? Baby lives matter. And he said, baby lives matter. I mean, Harbaugh, he's, he's a devout Catholic, and Todd, you could attest to this. He kind of gave you the full gamut of Catholic social teaching, right? He, he's kind of been a little worked over by some of the, the race-baiting political correctness while airing a pro-life belief at the same time. That, that probably is what a lot of mainstream Catholics in America sure. would, would, would come down on both of these issues, right? They'd probably be on, sure. on, on both of these issues, right? Mm-hmm. See them as the, what, are, yeah, what, what is it called in Catholic social teaching? The seamless garment. Yes, it okay? is. Okay, right? That's, they would act on that, right? Yes. And so Barack Obama didn't give Jim Harbaugh a shout out when he started talking about how terrible it is that we abort babies in America on a podcast for National Review. Now, but now that we're in this realm, this is the world we're going to live in. Everybody, hey, use your platforms. Okay. Uh-oh. Yeah. What ha- Be careful what you wish for. 
What happens when that really happens? We're going to talk about that in Pop Culture Tuesday. The intersection between popular culture and conservatism coming out or coming up in the next hour of the show. But before we get to all of that, here is Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by asymptomatic spread. The World Health Organization, if you believe them, announced yesterday that asymptomatic spread of Wuhan coronavirus appears to be very rare. This is not to be confused with pre-symptomatic spread, which occurs during the virus's 14-day incubation period. And this means the virus lines up with everything else we've known about previous infectious diseases. Moving on, President Trump responded to the repeated calls from leftists to defund police departments across the country. We won't be defunding our police. We won't be dismantling our police. We won't be disbanding our police. We won't be ending our police force in a city. I guess you might have some cities that want to try, but it's going to be very... uh, Very sad situation. Meanwhile, the Minneapolis City Council, who's already pledged to do so, is facing some pretty simple questions from the media. Who would be responsible if you did need someone to respond with a gun, if there was an individual or a group of people simply going out there and killing other citizens for no reason at all? Who would be responsible to go out there and try to stop it? Well, in my mind, well, and as it stands right now today, we still have a Minneapolis Police Department, and that will be their responsibility to address those um, those issues. Back to President Trump, it was announced yesterday he would be resuming his in-person rallies across the country here in the next couple of weeks. NPR tweets, President Trump will hit the campaign trail this month despite the deadly coronavirus pandemic, which continues to impact the lives and livelihoods of households across the country. 48 hours earlier, NPR tweets, thousands of voices at a protest in D.C. came together to sing the Bill Withers classic, Lean on Me. The World Health Organization announced asymptomatic spread of Wuhan coronavirus is very very rare. Meanwhile, congressional Democrats culturally appropriated some African garb and decided to take another knee at the Capitol when this happened. <laughs> Learning Chinese today, today's phrase is lay off the ice cream, Nancy. Also, Jerry Nadler wants to run your health care. According to officials at the World Health Organization, asymptomatic spread of Wuhan coronavirus is very rare. Texas Governor Greg Abbott, what you doing? George Floyd is going to change the arc of the future of the United States. Asymptomatic spread of the Wuhan coronavirus is very rare, according to officials with the World Health Organization. The suspect in the murder of retired St. Louis Police Captain David Dorn during the riots was arrested recently. Stephen Cannon, a 24-year-old, is accused of shooting and killing Dorn while looting a pawn shop. Cannon had previously been sentenced to seven years in prison for felony robbery, but didn't serve a single day of his sentence. Coronavirus news, researchers at the World Health Organization announced yesterday their research shows asymptomatic spread of Wuhan coronavirus appears to be very rare. Also, new research from Harvard University suggests the outbreak of COVID-19 started back in August. The U.S. stock market had another big day yesterday. The S&P 500 in particular erased all of its losses for the year. Checking in on Joe Biden. Um, Excuse me. I thought you could... 
Asymptomatic spread of Wuhan coronavirus is very rare, lining up the disease with all other known viral infections. That's according to researchers at the World Health Organization. Harry Potter author J.K. Rowling was absolutely pilloried by the woke mob recently for continuing to insist that boys are boys and girls are girls. In a series of tweets over the weekend, she insisted that she's sympathetic to so-called transgenders, but does not believe gender is a spectrum. And finally, Florida Beach Grim Reaper update. I think it's premature that we open our beaches. The same one who just a couple of weeks ago was raising money to buy body bags for Florida beachgoers to warn them about the dangers of coronavirus transmission on the beaches back again. He tweets, quote, Defunct Springs, Florida, huge crowd, stay hopeful and stay strong. For those of you listening, he tweeted a picture of himself at a Black Lives Matter rally wearing an I Can't Breathe t-shirt. Asymptomatic coronavirus transmission is very rare, according to the World Health Organization. And that's what happened while we were away. Well, now that we are beginning to open up, that um, that doesn't mean we all just go back to our bad habits that we were doing beforehand, right? Uh, and that's where Brickhouse Nutrition comes in, particularly their outstanding product, Field of Greens. One scoop has a full serving of real USDA, certified organic fruits and vegetables that boost your energy and support a healthy immune system. Plus, a diet rich in fruits and vegetables can reduce your risk of heart disease, hypertension, and a whole, a whole host, easy for me to say, a whole host of other health issues for field of greens is also prebiotic probiotic pardon me i'm, I'm joe biden <clears throat> thank you uh and also a great source of vitamins fiber and other nutrients just put one in any one scoop in any water-based drink and you are done you are good to go uh right now you can save 15 percent off your first order with the offer code steve at brickhousesteve.com that's brickhousesteve.com some of you have asked me how does this stuff taste yes i have drank it plenty of times myself my, my son drinks it it's probably the only way we can get him to uh, to drink his vegetables i would say it tastes like one of those green machine naked juices without the 90 grams of sugar or whatever is in it it literally has like 90 grams of sugar i believe or something like that okay so that's what I would compare it to. All right. 15% off your first order when you go to BrickHouseSteve.com and use the promo code Steve. And if you decide to subscribe, you're like, hey, let's get this healthy stuff in the home every month. How about 10% off of your order every month too to get both of those discounts? BrickHouseSteve.com, promo code Steve. We are going to discuss in the overtime later today whether it matters if Colin Powell and uh, who else? George W. Bush, who's denying that he's going to do this, by the way. But, um, and then there was the third. Mitt Romney. Mitt Romney, thank you. Whether it matters if they all come out and support Joe Biden or not. And we'll discuss that today in the overtime. That's uh, blazetv.com slash dace. That's how you uh, can get a discounted subscription to Blaze TV if you have not yet done so. blazetv.com slash dace and then use the promo code Steve to get that discount. And if you're already a subscriber, that's where you go to get it later today too. blazetv.com slash dace. All right, let's get to what is in the overtime. I don't know if you guys picked up on this, but major breaking news yesterday, the World Health Organization saying, asymptomatic spread of coronavirus, quote, very rare. Aaron, you did mention that. That was in your montage, correct? I believe so. All right, all right. Yeah. I thought I heard that in there. Here's why that matters. Because it's the only thing that mattered. It's, it's, it's why we shut the world down, shut America down. Um, that was our concern. It's why, it's why the NCAA tournament was canceled, all of these sporting events. The concern that these, quote, super spreader events, unquote, 
would occur, the asymptomatic would go and share it with one another and then take it home and inflict it upon the elderly and the infirm, right? That, that was the rationale. And it seemed like a realistic concern in the middle of March because it was a, quote, novel coronavirus, meaning something new. Are we sure this isn't something different? Now, the laws of immunology, virology, and biology say that that's not really how the vast majority of illnesses in the world are spread. And so about a month and a half ago, when we had Dr. Scott Atlas from Stanford University on the show. That's what he meant when he kept reiterating, hey, the laws of biology, virology, immunology don't change because of a new virus unless we get data that shows that they do. And there was never any data that indicates this. As we speak today, the WHO is now walking this back and claiming that at least 40% in some cases of COVID-19 infections are from the asymptomatic. I can promise you, hundred and in fact, my whole career in the pot right now, I promise you that's not true. Remember when I told you a couple weeks ago when our CDC said you don't have to keep scrubbing surfaces? What did I come on here and say the next day, Todd? What did I say? Nonsense. And I said, that was nonsense. Don't listen to that. Keep scrubbing your surfaces. Because that is what started the second wave of SARS-1, where fomites infected surfaces. Told you that back in March, actually. And then a few days later, what did our CDC take back? That. That. I'm telling you right now, put my whole career on it. That's complete and total BS. And if this was the Steven Crowder and not the Steve Day show, I'd just go ahead and say the word. Okay? Total BS. I know it right now. I don't have to look at a single blood sample. I don't have to look at a single patient file. I don't have to look at a single lab sample. I don't have to know any of it. I don't have to know a pathology of the virus. I don't have to know any of that. Here's how, here's how I can guarantee you this is true. You can do the math yourself. I mean, I, I barely made it out of community college. I showed up to work today wearing a hoodie with my favorite sports team's logo on it. I'm not Harvard. Simply go to every serology antibody study that, that's been done of this virus anywhere on planet Earth. Look at the data that those antibody studies have produced and you will see it is mathematically impossible. Mathematically impossible for 40% of coronavirus infections to come from the asymptomatic. Because given the amount of asymptomatic we have, folks, given the amount of asymptomatic we have, then the Imperial College survey should have been right. We should have flattened our hospitals with the infected of COVID-19, and we never did. And outside of Lombardy, Italy, and, and, a, and a couple of cows in Spain, it didn't happen anywhere else in the world, actually, that we know of. Simply do the math. If anywhere from 4 to 20%, depending on the serology exams you're looking at, if 4 to 20% of people in every one of these communities that have antibody studies done are infected, and you're telling me that 20 or 40%, up to 40% of COVID-19 infections are spread asymptomatically, no, it doesn't work that way. The number would be millions, folks. Millions. Millions. We're with Carl Sagan, billions and billions. Nope. That's total and complete horse bleep. 
That's one of the worst, dumbest lies that's been told in this entire panic scam that has been a lie almost from about five minutes after we were initially concerned. That math doesn't work. We don't have this many people walking around carrying antibodies. And then if you look at the number of people that are actually infected, the math doesn't work. There's a correlation that does equal causation there. You cannot say 40% of people are getting this asymptomatically. And then we find out hundreds of thousands and millions more are inf- were, were asymptomatically infected than we ever knew. And then you're going to turn around and tell me the math doesn't add up. Two plus two is not 792. It's four. The math doesn't work. Basic times tables. This isn't a quadratic equation. Calculus? Hell, I can't do any of that. I couldn't get into this school because I got halfway through the math portion of the ACT after scoring perfect on the other two sections and didn't know the answer. So I literally was just filling in bubble patterns to pass the time. I failed the quick trip managerial exam. The math doesn't add up because two plus two is not 798. It is not possible for all of these antibody tests to, on the low end, say 2% of the people have it in a community. On the high end, 20% do. Find a median number there. Extrapolate that by 331 million. How many people is that? Answer, a lot. It's a lot of people. A lot more than you can imagine, Han Solo. And then you're going to say 40% of those people asymptomatically spread it to others? Then why are we closing down hospitals? Why, weren't, why wasn't this the stand? That math doesn't work. They're counting on you being dumb. That's what they're counting on. They're counting on you being pliable. Oh, well, well yeah, 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 yeah. And I said yesterday it wasn't, and today maybe it is. Let me tell you why they said yesterday it wasn't. I'll tell you why. You want to know? I'll connect some dots for you. I, I, I would like to, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to do that for you. What happened over the weekend all over the world? What happened? Super spreader events. Super spreader events. Mass suicide. Yeah, yes, mass suicide, mass casualty events known as race protests. I'm just talking about the peaceful ones. Have you guys seen the crowds in Philadelphia, Amsterdam, London? Did you see the size of those crowds? Did you see the size of the crowd there? Mr. Uh, uh, Florida Beaches, Grim Reaper dude, wasn't social distancing with. And so what happens if two weeks from now, you know, like when we had the Wisconsin primary election and a half a million people went out in Wisconsin and voted? And we waited for two weeks to see what would happen. And on this show, we told you nothing, nothing happened. Every time the panic porn is called, it has do seven offsuit, no hand. Florida, smoldering ash, didn't happen. Georgia, an experiment in human sacrifice. I believe that's what the Atlantic wrote, right? Not so much. Our home state of Iowa didn't, didn't put a stay at home order in place. Anthony Fauci personally calling our governor since she began opening up the state hospitalizations in Iowa have dropped at least 20%. 
I could go on. Sweden. We finally had him in Lake of the Ozark. No, we yep. didn't. Lake of the Ozark was another, that was another smoldering ash. Didn't happen. Sweden was going to be smoldering ash. Didn't happen. Every time you've been promised smoldering ash. Remember when we were kids, I want my MTV. I want my smoldering ash. I want it. I like it. I got to have it. I want my smoldering ash. So what happens when we have hundreds of thousands of people in some of these settings going out to protest all over the world? And then over the course of the next 14 days, which is the incubation period of this virus, You don't have to bike ride through the streets while Blue Oyster Cult is played on loop. How come when you don't have to fear the Reaper, what happens? Well, it's see, they don't care if the Steve Day show points this out. They don't care if the Daniel Horowitz show does. They don't care if Alex Berenson's Twitter account points this out. And on and on I could go. Our buddy Phil Kirp in his Twitter feed, they can ignore us. And we'll largely just reach the like-minded within our little corner of the universe. But what they cannot risk, you want to talk about a super spreader event. A super spreader event of people calling is what they can't afford. They can't afford that. So yesterday, the first day after a weekend of protest, otherwise known for those of you that went to public school, is Monday, the day after the weekend ends. Yes. The first day back, is when they've got to start the, the retcon begins. The retcon begins. And they just want to put a marker down now. Uh, asymptomatic spreads, not uh, our latest data, which we've had since uh, February 4th. Our latest data shows asymptomatic spread, not a problem here. Carry on. The problem was that got picked up by everybody. All right, they thought they were just going to fix a plot hole. Thought they were just going to fix a plot hole in advance. Right? Got to deal with the fact that Luke and Leia made out in the previous movie. And now in the next movie, you're telling us they're bro and sis. Dueling banjos, Star Wars style, right? So they're just out there yesterday retconning. Retconning like a mother, man. Trying to just fix a plot hole and then they're just going to Homer Bush gif. Sneak back into the bushes. Right? The problem was everybody. I mean, how many of those headlines were from different media outlets that you had, Aaron? Everybody picked this story up. All over America. Everybody had it. Because it's, because in our country, see, every other country is over the lie. We're, we're the last country left on earth. That is, that is still clinging to some form of the lockdown lie. We really are. We're the last one left. Everywhere else, they're over it. Totally over it. I mean, the prime minister of New Zealand was out there yesterday saying, hey, the virus is gone. Everything back to normal. It's winter there, by the way. Did you know that? Because they're south of, south of the equator. It's winter there, or about to be. It's about to be winter there. And, and their prime minister is out saying, the virus is done. And uh, I, I, I'll see you at the movies this weekend. Okay. No, we are the last nation on earth clinging to this. Why? Because we're the last, we're the only nation on earth with an orange man bad. So we can't have the truth because we can't have nice things. We have to, the lie must continue, right? Nancy Pelosi's got to culturally appropriate African garb that we get all of us banned, cancel cultured on Twitter and then hit her life alert because she's fallen and she can't get up, right? Okay.
So our, we're the last country on earth that refuses to just completely abandon this. Every other country, including a whole bunch of left-wing ones are like, that was really dumb. Anyway, I want to kind of hit the brothels and get back to the, you know, smoking the peace pipe. So let's just forget the whole thing. <laughs> All right. We're like clinging to this because how else are you going to get Captain Dementia elected president? And so this story, this whole thing of asymptomatic spread, this was the linchpin for all the lockdowns nationwide. If they allowed is, their pants to get pulled down here, the lie of that, the fact that this was a lie from the beginning gets exposed. They can't afford that. But now that now they've tried something even dumber. When they were they, they got blown away by the amount of coverage this got yesterday. It was everywhere in the news yesterday. Everybody picked it up, including panic porn peddling media entities. Why? Because the truth of the matter is, as much as a lot of these people want to beat Donald Trump in November, they like going to ball games and movies and out and out to eat and amusement parks too. It's not just people like us that go to these things. And so they're like, I guess if we're opening up, I guess it's okay. And now today, the WHO is trying to walk it back with a ridiculous mathematical equation. That just can't possibly be true. It's just not possible. The math isn't there. It's not there. So here's the moral of this story. Don't ever consent to this ever again. Don't consent to this for another 10 seconds. Get out of your homes. Open up your businesses. Call every bluff. Defy, defy, defy gentlemen your thoughts what you just said about this being the linchpin of keeping things closed down that cannot be underscored enough this was the only thing even when you were able to get to panic porn peddling karen backed down off of the everybody's going to die ledge and we must stay inside forever until a vaccine arrives the glorious vaccine that's probably never ever going to appear anyway even when you could get her backed up and we could do this really really early Heck, if, if you looked and if you knew what was going to be happening, you put, could have probably even found some of this data back in February before things even started closing down. Maybe like in the February this 28th virus, edition of New England Journal of Medicine, hey, maybe. Hey, maybe With something like that. With our nation's leading infectious disease expert, maybe you could have found it there. Hey, Who knows? Maybe, maybe. If you're yeah. looking, if you're looking hard, um, you could have found very early who this virus is most dangerous to. And that's what we've been talking about. The elderly, infirmed, those especially in nursing homes, very old. So then the natural conclusion was, why are we shutting down the schools? Why are we shutting down the schools? Why can't kids? And the default for Karen was always, if I had a nickel for every time I heard this over the last three months, well, they can spread it even if they don't show symptoms as well. That was always the default explanation even if you got them backed away from the most fear-mongering predictions and models even if you could get karen backed away from that ledge they'd always fall back they could always fall back on the asymptomatic spread timmy and johnny are going to spread it to grandpa and grandma and so we can't go outside for anything until a vaccine comes now the who comes in and you know what along with masks not working it's you know the asymptomatic spread is is can we get our funding back please that's basically what that was yesterday. Yeah, speaking of those masks, that's why I love the, the uh, what, Nadler there thing. 
with his African garb and the mask and he can't get it off and he's just like, then he just frustrated and puts it down. I mean, everybody knows this is a scam. Yeah, uh, uh, what, if, by the way, I, I was under the impression that photo ops were not allowed anymore. Exactly. I, I, could I get a ruling on that? Particularly religious ones, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It reminds me of that scene in Office Space. Can we talk about your flair? I mean, what's next? <laughs> Face tattoos of George uh, Floyd being mandatory? Listen, here's the thing. Steve, I've never openly defied you about anything in my life. But uh, but Nazi analogies? I'm all in now. I gotta say. Not, listen, have you read... Hey, we've uh, thrown out the laws of immunology, yes, virology, yes. and biology. Let's throw out Godwin's law while we're at it, right? Have, oh. have you seen... If you haven't read Elie Wiesel's Night... And you just read, like, how does it get to the point where a first world nation within the last 100 years is just hurting people up like uh, firewood into cars, uh, tra- uh, uh, train cars, into, and, and hurting them off to the gas chambers? Uh, this level of unreality yeah. is how it happens. This level. Yeah, one more. I actually had this all teed up and ready to go if I can chime this in as well. Something that has always haunted me about Corey Ten Boom's biography. Have you heard of her, Corey Ten Boom? Sure, of course. The very first chapter of that book, her brother, I believe it's, uh, I can't remember his name, but her brother is is a reformed Dutch minister who runs a home for elderly Jewish, and he tells the tales in 1937 of taking in younger and younger Jews from Germany, telling of the madness spreading in the universities there, that has haunted me to this day yep. along hmm. the lines of what, what Todd has said. We're to come back. If it wasn't already closed, shut the last nail pounded into the casket of American media. We'll talk about it next. So we're working from home like never before. That means we're online even more than ever before. That also means, though, that our data is out there more than ever before. And it's not even just the working online. It's the the banking, the video conferences, all of that is capturing data, the meal deliveries, the shopping we're doing. And that makes us easier prey for cyber criminals, especially when they want to take the money that you have built into the equity in your home and use it against you. This is a crime known as home title theft, and the FBI is warning homeowners home title lock is how you can protect your home from these cyber thieves. Your home's legal title is online where they find it, forge your signature, stating you sold your home to them. And then they take out loans on your home and then they leave you with the debt, banks, insurance, even basic identity theft services. They don't protect you. But Home Title Lock will put a virtual barrier around your home's title. You can protect it right now by going to HomeTitleLock.com. That's HomeTitleLock.com. Register your address while you're there, by the way. And, and, And just to make sure that you have haven't already been targeted. And then while you're there, use the promo code Steve to get 30 free days of protection to help get you through this crisis at HomeTitleLock.com. That's HomeTitleLock.com. So Todd, I know one of one of your driving mantras is journalism is magical and not at all broken. And I, I've kind of grown tired somewhat of the conservative media trope of biased liberal media, only because it's just so it's so established now. Now, when we delve into malfeasance, uh, to me, that's a whole new front in this battle. 
And one of the things I observed, uh, we observed on this show earlier this year when the New York Times launched the 1619 Project is that it kind of struck me as that the, the post credit scene in Avengers Age of Ultron where Thanos just grabs the Infinity yeah. Gauntlet and says, fine, I'll do it myself. Like they had really hoped that, that um, you know, near to wells at places like Mother Jones and Salon would do this kind of dirty work and race baiting for them and therefore they could remain above the fray and remain the old gray lady, the, the paper of, of posterity, right? And then ultimately, when when those outlets were not able to do the job, the New York Times just said, "Fine, we'll we'll grab the Infinity Gauntlet and and you know we'll we'll deconstruct America ourselves." And this continued over the weekend with what happened, the whole whiny yet amazing controversy around Senator Tom Cotton's op-ed published in the New York Times. Abigail Schreier from the Wall Street, she's a writer with the Wall Street Journal. She's going to join us here in just a second. You took particular notice of, of her breaking this down on, on Twitter and said, hey, we need, to, we need to get her on the show and let our audience hear what she has to say. Tell us why. Because she gets it. And I, she uh, is, a, I believe, she's, she's a millennial. Now, I, I, I'm now 47 years old. I worked at the Des Moines Register for 12 years, I think between the age of 29 and uh, 41 uh, until that ended. And I came to uh, work for you in uh, 2016. But the, uh, for 12 years, I had the conversations with fellow reporters. Like, you, you realize where this is going. You, you understand this is not sustainable. And it always gave me, oh, you're just a, uh, you're just a fly in the ointment. And, and the number of times I've heard there's a line of separation, a clear line of separation mm-hmm. between the newsroom, Steve, and the, and the editorial page. And you know that, Todd, you know that. There's a line until there's not, yes, right? Well, four legs good, two legs bad until it's four legs good and two legs are better. Here we are where the New York Times reporters... Uh, and uh, uh, what's her name? Weiss uh, at the New York Times has been thrown out of the bus. Uh, another uh, millennial woman I, for for pointing that out. Like this is just millennial temper tantrums mm-hmm. that are college is now here in the newsroom. I was telling them that all along. This has been a scam. And why? I, so I wanted to bring Abigail on because she pointed out the level of depth of the lie. This is her tweet uh, less than two days ago. Perhaps most disgraceful are the lies offered in sacrifice to woke gods. Uh, the editorial page editor quote had not read the essay before it was published quote running this puts all black people in danger including new york times staff members you know this is the des moines registers um uh routine background checks which mm-hmm. they don't do her point it can't be stressed enough they so easily lie this is propaganda they had long ago left journalism behind i i could i was telling them this 15 years ago now a millennial is telling you this so if you didn't like it for me listen to her let's bring abigail onto the show good to have you with us abigail welcome to the steve day show thanks for your patience how are you oh it's great to be here great to talk to you so you know i've been in conservative media for a decade which means i've done a few hundred thousand shows on media bias, okay? I mean, that's like conservative media personality 101. Like that, that's in our orientation packet when we get jobs like this is dealing and confronting media bias. But in the last couple of years, it seems we have gone beyond media bias to just flat out malfeasance. And, and I wonder if what's gone on in the New York Times the last few days, is it the last nail in the coffin for American media, Abigail? It, it may be. I, I mean, um, you know, it, it's a very sad thing that's happened. I mean, I know some conservatives are are very excited about it because they think that they just sort of outed themselves 
Um, I'm not excited about it. It's, I think it's a, it's, it's really a tragedy. Um, it may have, you know, added some clarity to the issue, but when we, what we, what we're seeing is the collapse of classical liberalism. Um, all that that does is feed the alligator. And, and the New York Times just handed a big victory um, to some very bad people and emboldened them to further stifle free inquiry. It was, it's a very bad move. And, and it's, you know, it's, it's not good for any of us. Do you, what you think of my analogy that I gave right before we brought you on that I, I kind of viewed them taking on the 1619 project as almost they've, they're acknowledging now to do what they would like to do to deconstruct America. They, right. They're the ones that have to get their hands dirty. Now the, the CD underbelly red light district of the American left blogosphere doesn't have enough transcendent reach to get into the suburbs and the exurbs and the rural areas of America. So therefore the old gray lady decided, Hey, uh, you know what? If you want a job done right, you got to do it yourself. That's interesting. I mean, yeah, I, I think that what happened in the New York Times was a kind of um, devolution into kinderarchy, right? Um, mm -hmm. The children are now in charge. Uh, this is governance by children, and the adults are scared of the kids. Um, you know, James Bennett had a job. The you know editorial page editor of the New York Times had a job, and what what he you know in the classical liberal tradition believed his job was was to curate opinion, a wide variety of opinion, you know, contrary opinion that was likely to impact the lives of Americans and and give it its sort of most articulate form. And the opinion offered by Tom Cotton in the pages of the New York Times was one supported by 58% of Americans. This was a somewhat mainstream view. And in each time, you know, this happens, these kinds of, you know, kerfuffles occur. Basically, there's a classical liberal who says, you know, not that I agree. No one thinks the New York Times agreed with Tom Cotton's opinion. He's one of the most conservative members of the Senate. But what they thought was the New York Times was taking a class, you know, classical liberal stance saying we can handle, you know, contrary opinions here. We can handle we, we can all handle that. Mm -hmm. And the millennials stood up to say, no, we can't. We will not abide that. And um, we're, we've seen this again and again, you know, perhaps since Larry Stummer, Summers stepped down from Harvard presidency over the exact same issue. Um, he said that we could have a discussion about, you know, women in science and open discussion here. And the faculty, woke faculty rose up and said, no, we can't. Um, you saw this with Erica Christakis at Yale in 2015. You saw this with Heather Hying and Brett Weinstein um, over at Evergreen State College. They were run out of the college. And, and it was, each time it was the same issue where a classical liberal stood up and said, but we can have an intelligent discussion among people who disagree right here. And each time the progressive, you know, progressive millennial stood up and said, no, we can't. That's violence. Um, so I'm I'm a proud evangelical. We like to kid on the show. We put the fun and fundamentalism here on this program, okay? Which made me astonished when I was looking at the Twitter feed of the Benjamin Franklin of the modern gay rights movement, Andrew Sullivan, and it looked like frankly I had hijacked his feed and and he was now or or he had somehow spiritually channeled me and was now just tweeting my words uh, through his keyboard talking about censorship, a lack of critical thinking, an inability to tolerate aberrant views. Um, I mean, I mean, we talk about these themes on the right all of the time. And it, we talk also, uh, Abigail, about the polarization, and I like to call it the balkanization of America, that, that we're really more of a Yugoslavia than just frankly polarized. If, if you're in one of those ex-Serbian rural areas of America, and you're following this, and, and, and Andrew Sullivan's not woke enough for you, 
a guy that is on the cutting cutting edge of one of the leading social reform movements, whether you agree with it or not. I don't agree with it, but I respect and recognize its accomplishments and achievements for sure. He was on the cutting edge of that. He, he helped pave the way for that. If, if his opinion cannot be tolerated in the public square, if these people are in power, where's room for people like me and folks and audiences like this then in their world? Well, I think you're right. There isn't room increasingly. I mean, it's a it's a big problem. I mean, look, what what I think it takes a lot of backbone these days, unfortunately, um, to be a an editor of a major publication. And what what James Bennett should have said to The New York Times was, you know, I will protect the this institution as America's paper of record. He should have said, you know, this is. This is the editorial page where the highest level of discussion can occur, whether or not we all agree with it or not. Instead, he put up a half-hearted defense, and then he crumbled like a sandcastle at high tide, you know, the moment that his young editors raised objections. Mm. And worst of all, he stuck a knife in the back of the one one of the few journalists who was willing to stand up and, and defend him, and that was Barry Weiss, who apparently has more integrity and courage than the entire masthead of the New York Times put together. So final thing I want to ask you about then, for members of our audience that don't work in the media and, and don't understand how this will influence the, the rest of the platform, especially on a side of the media that a lot of them don't consume, effectively what I saw this is, is we have one of the largest conservative media platforms in the country here at The Blaze, right? But nobody has a bigger one than Fox. Imagine if Fox just decided, oh, F it, Alex Jones, 8 o'clock primetime, new show. Right. That that would have major ramifications for all of conservative media. What that would do if they if they decided that they were willing to inject that into the zeitgeist. Right. How does that similarly what the New York Times did last week? What does this mean going forward for The Washington Post, CNN, ABC, CBS, the whole, I mean, they're one of, along with the Associated Press, they're basically the mouth of the river, right? So the rest of the tributaries here in this ecosystem, what happens to them from here, seeing this precedent? That's right. I mean, look, I'm a conservative, but I have a lot of liberal friends like everybody else. Mm -hmm. And um, a lot of them were writing to me from different, you know, I heard from people at different publications how frightened they were. And these were not conservatives, these are classical liberals, they were afraid, you know, that their jobs were on the line at all the major publications if they don't, you know, say the right things. This is not something you want, you know, members of the press worried about. You don't want them terrified of a woke mob, but that's what you have. Um, You know, my friend um, at Free Beacon, Noah Pollack, pointed out, and I thought it was a great point. He said, the idea that they feel unsafe is completely untrue. The idea that, you know, um, uh, that that young writers from the New York Times feel unsafe because Tom Cotton wrote an op-ed in the New York <laughs> Times is, is is just completely untrue. What this was was a power grab, and it was. Mm-hmm. It was a very mm-hmm. effective power grab um, by the woke millennials, and um, I, you know, it just fed the alligator. I don't know what they're going to take over next. The mob outside Lot's house will not be satiated now that you've incentivized it. It's right. it's going to see the night through now. We're going to we're going to see where this ultimately goes because we don't ever slouch towards Gomorrah. It's rare for me to, to disagree with the late great Robert Bork, but we don't slouch to Gomorrah as a species. We sprint every time we start the race. It's, it becomes a sprint. Abigail, Shr- right. go ahead. And I, go ahead. And I think your point is excellent that. You know, every time you take reasonable opinions, and and Tom Cotton's view was shared, the idea that, you know, if if American cities are being overwhelmed, if there's, if, you know, 
life and limb and, and the property is being threatened by violent protesters and the police are overwhelmed that the American government should send in military is not a very controversial view. I mean, I, I guess obviously it was somewhat controversial, but it's shared by 58% of Americans and probably 100% of Americans whose life and property were on the line, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. If, you, if we can't have an open discussion about the merits and demerits of that view, then what you're left with is an America, as you said, that's completely balkanized, that we have provocateurs on both sides who are the only ones who can get their opinion, opinions heard. And we don't have reasoned discussion anymore. Very well said, Abigail Schreier. Thank you for joining us. Uh, really eloquent. Appreciate it having you on Thank here today. Take care. All right. Thank you so much. You bet. So here's something you may not know about your dog's food, but the same problem that our food has, which is why we're taking so many supplements today. All the really good, nutritious stuff is stripped out so that it can be mass-produced and then stay on the shelf for maybe like two years. Same thing happens to our dog's food too, and that's why we're taking supplements. Your dog could use it as well. That's where Rough Greens Vitasmart comes in. It is not a new dog food, but it is a premium dog food supplement. It's a sprinkle. It's a powder that you sprinkle on your dog's food. Apparently, it tastes great too because our dog absolutely loves it. It contains also Massive amounts of vitamins, minerals, digestive enzymes, probiotics, prebiotics, even omega oils and antioxidants, all the stuff your dog needs for a healthy and balanced diet. It's their one-a-day supplement, if you will. And if you want to try it, they're going to love it. If you want to try it and help your dog to feel better than ever before. All right, go to roughgreens.com slash blaze. That's R-U-F-F. That's how they spell it. Roughgreens.com slash blaze. Again, that's roughgreens.com slash blaze. Todd. So you're the one that discovered her for the show. Your thoughts on the conversation we just had with Abigail Schreier. Well, I even uh, I believe more greatly that uh, what I just said before the show based on how nice that person is. See, I'm not nice. Steve's not nice. Yeah, cranky I, no, old guys. I'm not nice. I'm no. many things. Some of them are even yes. okay. Nice would yes. not be one of them. She's yes. nice, though. But again, she she pointed out that they're liars. They're, they're just liars. And if you extrapolate the reality of what she's saying beyond this conversation it points to what we've been saying on the show for a long time the, the, we are in a civil war the horse has left the barn stop lying to yourself that you are dealing with people as steve says that want to share a country with you they do not human history does not have some kind of safety button just for you here in the era of 2020 where you aren't going to be treated uh any differently than those in the past who have been dehumanized like those who aren't woke the word that stuck out to me there did you catch that it was at the very beginning and i i uh i was thinking about that a lot the kinder archie yes did you like that yeah i did like that yeah that got i like my that attention as well too. yeah i like that as well uh Completely unrelated question. Do you think the children of the corn ever took over the Gatlin, Nebraska newspaper? Do you think that ever happened? Because that's what's happening right here. I mean, this is a cult of children following this cult that's taking over a major, a major institution. And it has forever. But we're crossing. I mean, it seems like every week we cross a new Rubicon of when is it going to when is it going to, 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 to really set in with us? They have no interest in sharing a country mm-hmm. with you. They have no interest whatsoever. If and if it were up to them, they'd destroy you. If there's no room at the end for Andrew Sullivan, who is a godfather of the American, modern American left, if there's no, no room at the end for him, you don't even have a parking space, brother. All right? Hour two is next.
And we're back with Hour 2, live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio and podcast. Steve Dace with Aaron McIntyre and Todd Erzin and all of you. Let us know what you think about what we think. Steve at SteveDace.com is how you can email the program to do exactly that. D-E-A-C-E. Almost forgot how to spell my name there for a second. You can also find us on Facebook and like us there. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Day Show and YouTube.com slash Steve Dace. If you're a podcast listener, we greatly appreciate you. Please hit that subscribe button and give us a five-star review if you haven't done so already. Heck, if you have, keep keep. Use all your burner accounts. Just just keep, I don't know, stuff in the ballot box. We'll call them uh, mail order. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's what we'll do. Vote Ma- a couple times. Yeah, we'll vote a couple times. Mail in five star reviews. All right, for the show that puts the mail it in and the mail in. All right. So thank you to all of you, the thousands of you that have left us one of those five star reviews already. Each and every one of them are appreciated. Coming up here in uh, just a matter of moments, fake news or not, which is brought to you by Freedom Financial. The anxiety and stress caused by debt can be overwhelming. It makes you feel alone, like there's no way out. But there is a way out. Uh, You don't have to go through it alone. And Freedom Debt Solutions is here to help. There is no one-size-fits-all solution to getting out of debt. Freedom Debt Solutions, therefore, has more than 400 debt experts standing by to recommend the right solution to your specific situation. And no matter which solution you may qualify for, Freedom Debt Solutions could help you get rid of expensive credit and debt faster than you can on your own. All right. And low affordable monthly program payments as well. Since 2002, Freedom Debt Solutions has served three quarters of a million clients, settled over 2.7 million accounts and over $10 billion in debt. So if you've got $10,000 or more in credit card debt, if you're struggling to make monthly payments, there is hope. Stop the stress and anxiety your debt is causing. Find out now how you can get help at Freedom Debt Solutions with one of their experts and a free personalized debt consultation today. Go to freedomdebtsolutions.com slash Steve. That's freedomdebtsolutions.com slash Steve. One more time, freedomdebtsolutions.com slash Steve. All right, are we ready to go? Fake news or not, right? All right, so remember, we are not fact-checking Propagandists, this is taking a look at whether those people and platforms that claim to be what is left of America, are they fake news or not? Beginning with Lindsey Graham, he promises this time, this time he promises, this time he'll get to the bottom of the deep state. McCabe is firing back. He says this, Mr. Rosenstein's claims to have been misled by me or anybody from the FBI regarding our concerns about President Trump and the campaign's interactions with Russia are completely false. Mr. Rosenstein approved of and suggested ways to enhance our investigation of the president. Further, I personally briefed Mr. Rosenstein on Jim Comey's memos describing his interactions with the president. Somebody's lying here. Are you going to call Andrew McCabe to testify in front of your committee? Uh, just as sure as the sun uh, rises and sets, I will. <laughs> so now he's he's metastasizing. It's not just the 47 appearances on Hannity show promising to get to the bottom of the deep state, Aaron. It, he is now moving on to other programs, even other channels. Fox Business News, I think, is where he, w- he appeared on this show. As soon as the sun sets, he says. Fake news or not? What do you think, Aaron? Is that some sort of weird euphemism? I 
take it you think it's fake news. It's fake news. Yeah. Todd? Well, she, well the question specifically was, are you, are you going to get to the bottom of this? Is that what she are said? Are you going to subpoena Andrew subpoena? McCabe? Yes. Oh, For well, those who don't remember... And I, frankly, I think most yeah. of our, most of the people in our audience know more about this than we yeah. do, probably. But Andrew McCabe is the former deputy director yeah. of the FBI who was forced to resign. I believe he was even charged with criminal leaking, right? Yeah. Okay. All right. So anyway, continue your I, answer. Well, I think that really could be true news. He might subpoena him. I, 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 there's no reason to believe that's going to lead to anything like fundamental justice. He likes the theater. You can subpoena somebody, make them show up, get the theater you want. So yeah, that could easily be true. If that, I want. That's why I asked. I wanted to be clear what he said. Is there going to be justice? Well, of course not. That would be fake news. But am I going to subpoena him? Yeah, because that's going to be fun. It's showtime. That reminds me. Grab this pen here. I got to make a yeah, note. You, see, you know, I'm right. right. Another question I need to ask when I get to heaven. How did South Carolina elect Lindsey Graham all these years? Are you writing that with a Nancy Pelosi sucks pen? <laughs> I am not. No. I, I, that's another, that's, that's on my list of got, I gots to know. That's my gots to know list. I, on my gots to know list is I gots to know how all y'all in South Carolina sent this guy, uh, this effeminate poser to the U S Senate for decades. I, I, I just need to know how he managed to pull that off. If for no other reason that maybe I have misjudged him and he's actually the alpha dog 4d chess player in the room that he got y'all to do it all these years. I, but I would, whichever, I don't care what the answer is. Just, I will not be able to lay into eternal rest until I get said answer. I, I need to know. I, I need to know what it is. All right. Um, Todd, this one's uh, for you. I don't know if you know this or not, but no one really wants to live without the police. Commissioner, um, uh, yeah, this thing is coming at us pretty quickly. It's, it's, you know, we're used to hearing this sort of rhetoric and it, it hangs around for a few years, but you've got the city of Minneapolis actually saying, no, we're going to go through with this and other cities are watching it as a model. You know what's funny, Charles, when you were talking to Senator Scott and he was talking about what they do in China and how they do it and why in the Communist Party, what we're hearing is right out of the Antifa handbook, which parallels what they do in communist China. So it's kind of odd to listen to him. I almost thought he was talking about Minneapolis. Um, here's the bottom line. You defund the police or diminish their ability to police their communities, you're going to have a war zone. We learned this back in the 90s. In 1990, there were 2,400 murders in New York City. When Giuliani came in in 1994, he basically came in with a model that nobody was going to live, visit, or work, or go to school in a place where they weren't safe. So his number one priority was to reduce crime. And for every percentage point we did, we saw income, you know, economic income, uh, highest uh, rates. We saw the highest property uh, right. values. We saw lowest poverty, um, you know, the, the lowest murder, the lowest violent crime. Communities were much better off. You start taking that away. You take the police's ability to do their job. You're going to see the reverse. That's all there is to it. Former New York City Police Chief Bernard Carrick there. Of course, he was the man that, if you remember back in the day with 9-11, who was often at Rudy Giuliani's side in the aftermath of that terrorist attack. Todd, what do you think? Fake news or not? That's largely um, not fake news. I can't speak for every jot and tittle of the allusions to uh, data about what happened with uh, Giuliani getting tough on crime. But, you know, now you see Rudy Giuliani kind of, you know, 
you know, being Trump's uh, henchmen of sorts and uh, Twitter 2.0. And of course, you know him from 9-11. But really, that that's the Rudy Giuliani that was always the most interesting to me because, I mean, listen, he's not, he's not some conservative, but that was just like baseline common sense how you have to govern a, ci- a city in order to enjoy all the other fruits that this place right. called New York offers. There's assumptions there are things in this world you cannot control. You can't just project your desires upon. Yes. You can't just magically con- think and, and conjure truth into existence. Yeah. There are certain things in this world that are objectively true and predetermined whether you want them to be or not. And so you have to set aside some of your own preferences and biases yes. and acknowledgement of those truths, right? Yes. Yeah. We used to call that, there was a term we had for that common yes sense right yeah and he and he applied it without apology and new yorkers for the most part uh, who you know they're not republicans seem to appreciate it like i want to go out and i want to go do my things that liberals do i just don't want to feel like i'm at risk of my life all the time again that's not radical but we have totally rejected it today like a buddy of mine rolled up on uh was in dc yesterday and I tweeted this photo out and he rolls up at a DC restaurant and three or four Democratic US senators are sitting there having dinner together. No masks, no social distancing. And, you know, and, and he puts out a tweet about this yesterday and sends it to me. Uh, social distancing for thee, but for me, for, or for me, but not for thee. Or or reopening for me and not for thee mm-hmm. is what he said, right? And I, and I read through it. I saw his photo. I'm like, man, I, I long for the days when they just said these things to get power and knew that they didn't work. And then when they got control, they, they instituted some form of common sense because mm-hmm. in the end, they didn't want their property right. destroyed and, and their kids' schools burnt to the ground either, right? Right. Don't you? I miss the old hypocrisies, don't you? <laughs> because now we're literally debating whether we should defund police or not. Yeah. Across the entire yeah. country. Yeah. I mean, I, I miss that just being like a talking point to get power into race bait. And then afterwards, Bill Clinton signs the three strikes and you're out law. I missed those days. Clinton is the perfect poster child for that mindset you're talking about. He really is. Yeah. Now, now it is. Oh, maybe we maybe we can just do this. Uh, We we can have community spread justice. Uh, We we don't don't have to have police. Get that trademarked. (laughs) Aaron, what do you think? Uh, It's it's true news. and, And this is I mean, what we're talking about here, common sense. It's just an arm of the natural law. Yeah. It's an arm of, of right understanding on. human nature as well, that we're not inherently good. See, it would make sense. Why would we even need police or any laws at all if man were inherently good? But if it, man is inherently bad, then we need laws and we need enforcement to be able to enforce those laws. You know, what we're talking about here, the antithesis of what you just described with, with Bill Clinton... It's just straight-up madness. It makes no sense. It's Wolf Blitzer asking that Minneapolis City Councilwoman, what happens when there is a mass shooting event? Who's going to respond then? And her response, did you catch that today in the montage? Her response was, well, it'd be the Minneapolis Police Department's. Um. Uh. Ah. Uh, what happens if there's no I police? I my bunghole. Yeah. Yes. What happens if there's no police department and there's a mass sh- uh, mass shooting? Uh, the police would get there. Uh, it, it, 
it's just madness. There's don't try to yes. explain it. It's just insanity. We haven't used this term as much. I, I I busted this out a few years ago when I really started hammering the point that it kind of everybody's in on now that what we're dealing with here is not a political movement but a religious cult, a spirit of the age religious cult. That's what progressivism and wokeness. That's really what it is, right? And I used to use this term on this show a lot to describe it, and I hadn't thought about it for a while. And then Aaron, you just you just exhibited it perfectly and with and, and then the clip that you referenced remember this term we used to use a lot which was yes. um lucid insanity lucid insanity yes that like if you ask them hey is two plus two equal four yes um is, is pi 3.14 yes what's your phone number yes you know, right yeah. okay there would be lucidity there but then when you ask them the questions about the ways of the world and how it works and and what their place is in it do utter, all men have vaginas yes Utter insanity, utter insanity, would 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 be what comes out. Of, it's it's Daniel Radcliffe coming, going hard at J.K. Rowling, the woman who made him what he is, frankly, uh, because she refuses to accept that beings right. other than women can have a period. That's just insane. Yeah, it's absolutely insane what this stuff is, and it makes you insane when you embrace it. Yeah. The- Back in Giuliani's day, I mean, New York, it's like, we want you to come enjoy our Epicurean delights. Yes. But there's got to be some level of decorum for that to be possible. Now the chaos is the Epicurean delight that they're selling. At least when you went to Corinth, you knew there were the male prostitutes here and the female prostitutes here. Right? Right. The idea that they they were like, um, well... We have uh, we're the we're the proto Baskin Robbins of antiquity. Yeah. We have fifty seven yeah. flavors yeah. <laughs> of of of, of orifice. Yeah, okay? no, <laughs> now, nuts. It's now, just nuts. Yeah, now when you <laughs> now when you now when you go to Corinth on the loudspeakers everywhere, it's dude looks like a lady, and if you don't like it, we're gonna stone you. Yes, <laughs> and you're Can like we- and you're like, hey, I'm totally fine if 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 another guy wants to go see the male prostitutes, it's not my thing. I'm an Epicurean myself, but. That's not my preferred orifice. So why are you a why are you a homophobe? Why are you a bigot? That, that isn't that what we're talking about. We are absolute insanity. I mean, and, and then and J.K. Rowling is out there affirming every one of their premises. She affirms fifty six of their fifty seven premises. She asks for sanity with one, with one, <laughs> yeah. And it will. It's verboten. It cannot happen. It cannot occur. When you. Uh become the multi uh, million millionaire after the movie is made and you open up that ice cream line with your blueberry one that you've always 57 orifices yes that's got to be one of them todd is referencing i haven't done it in the last couple of years they finally discouraged me but for several years i would enter the uh, ben and jerry's uh flavor contest where if you suggest a flavor and they pick up on it you you know i don't know if you you win a cash prize or ben and jerry's for life because those communists make some dope ice cream man and i've and i've every year i would enter in blueberry hill which was uh, blueberry ch- uh, flavored ice cream with a with a uh, a milk chocolate fudge ribbon and marsh and a marshmallow ribbon. Okay, he's so, not fake news. He is so earnest in describing <laughs> I know, this. I know, not fake news. Listen, if you don't take anything I've said this whole show seriously, you better take that because I entered that flavor like five years in a row, man. Because and I'm like, I would eat that. Wouldn't you eat that? Sure. I think that sounds great. No, no, they rejected me every time let's get to our next clip 
Joe Biden something. I don't envy him. He is in between a rock and a hard place in his decision to pick a VP uh, because it's it's really going to signal to uh, Democrats and really to the independent voters that he needs to win over uh, what type of administration he would uh, carry out if president. Is he going to go down the path of a defund the police, uh, quite radical administration, or is he going to try to be more moderate? Uh, neither Kamala Harris nor uh, Elizabeth Warren are moderates in the policies that they have uh, supported. Todd, we think fake news or not? I think uh, Kelsey uh, uh, Bowler now used to be hard news. Uh, uh is fantastic, but I, I think that's uh, a fake yeah. news. I think it just does, as long as it's not just a, a straight old white man, it's good. It's going to be fine because they're going to vote for him anyways, and they're going to yell at him anyways, no matter what. So, I mean, it, it, it's just how it is. They, somebody is going to get crucified. You didn't go far enough into the wokeness scale. That's going to happen no matter who he picks, and then they're all going to vote for him anyways. Aaron? Uh, totally. Yeah. I don't really, my analysis is not much different from that. I mean, between a rock and a hard place, uh, no, it's just, I don't think you're going to really add that much. The same people who are going to vote for you, no matter what, uh, are still going to vote for you. If you pick Elizabeth Warren, Kamala Harris, or, uh, fill in the blank with leftists, the same people who were uh, ticked off with the democratic party, the Bernie bros, because their guy didn't get in are still not probably going to vote for you no matter who you pick because they're just ticked off. So I don't think, I don't think at this juncture, the VP, the VP really makes much of a difference. Agree with both of you, but it can't be, it, it, that stands as long as it's not another straight white male. Right. Oh, it can't be that. Yeah, yeah. it can't be that. It, it could literally be anything else other than that, but it cannot be that. Correct. correct? Okay. All right. This next clip, kind of the same vein of your, the analysis you guys gave on, on Biden and his VP pick, but from the other side of the looking glass. Watch this. You have people who were nominated and in the case of President Bush actually elected to be president by Republicans and that they will no longer support the Republican nominee who went through the process and got elected. Then I'm going to be not just uh, unhappy, I'm going to be livid. And I'll tell you why. We didn't all agree on some of the policies of Bush or McCain or uh, Romney. But, you know, when it came down to it, we had a choice. We could choose a far left liberal or we could choose somebody that was closer to our views. I get it that Donald Trump's uh, bedside manner is somewhat more like mean Joe Green than it is the cool collected (laughs) Tom Brady if it's on the football field. But here's what I just don't understand with these never Trumpers. This president is more pro-life than we've ever had, period. He's more pro-Israel. He has deregulated so much government so that the businesses of America can thrive, and they have until this COVID stuff happened. This is a president who has stood up to the globalist, uh, stood up to the unfair trade practices, brought back American jobs, has done more for minorities than any president in my lifetime in actually helping people to have good, decent jobs and a future. This is a president who has reformed criminal justice. There's an incredibly long litany of things he's done. And some of them say, but I don't like his personality. Well, get over it. Aaron. 
What say you? You get to go first this it's time. It's amazing how I can how 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 I can disagree with so many things and so many pe- uh, people within one short clip. So well, let's start with what he first remarked, uh, talking about uh, I think Colin Powell and Mitt Romney, and I think he was talking about George W. Bush as well, even though that's not actually true. People who have indicated that they are not former Republicans or working for Republicans who have indicated that they are not going to vote for Donald Trump. All right. The reasoning that he gives for why they need to do that is because he's the Republican nominee and you're being hypocritical because we all rallied behind you uh, back when you were the nominees or what have you. And now you're not for for this guy as well. Now, all those guys that he just mentioned, Mitt Romney, Colin Powell, uh, you don't have to support the nominee. Well, I, well, I, I was not a, a Republican back then, but there were a, there was a, a a measurable chunk of the Republican Party back in in 2016 that did not want to get behind. It did not rally behind Donald Trump. We know that as well. Um, but you don't have to support the nominee just because he's the nominee. This is not the church. This is not the church at all. This is not the church of, of Jesus Christ right here. We're not nominating a savior. So that re- reasoning is wrong. But also the reason why they're not supporting President Trump is because of, of, of that long litany of things that Mike Huckabee uh, listed, even though all of those things might not actually be true, with the exception of the pro-life issue. Those All those things might not actually be true. But Donald Trump is perceived as having been all of those things to those guys. And so that's why Mitt Romney and, you know, fill in the blank, don't want to support him because they perceive him as actually being conservative, even though it's up for debate whether or not he's actually accomplished as much as what Mike Huckabee fit in there. So does that make sense at all? There's so much confusion going on there. There's just so much confusion. And I I, I think that I... If they would have rearranged, if if Mike Huckabee would have just rearranged words just a little bit there, I, I probably would have agreed with a lot more. But um, yeah, I, I think the whole thing is the, almost the whole thing is is fake news. The, the the core claim there though that you need to support the Republican nominee because he's the re- Republican nominee that's total fake news. Todd, what do you think? It, it it's fake news, largely from a. It's from a meta level because it his his advocates are such a terrible job of uh, what is it in a lot of Protestant like accountability circle mm-hmm. isn't that accountability the, groups so groups things yeah. like that yeah it, it, the, <clears throat> Trumps suck I mean he's just not n- nothing about coronavirus the lockdowns or uh, the riots are mentioned within that it's just a vacuum. Of conversation that he's having there that has nothing to do with the reality at hand. We need a president right now, Republican, Democrat, man, woman, whatever, doing a job. But we we needed that before we ever heard of lockdowns too. But it's always this level of dinner theater. It's just always the show. I I, I he he has done some good things. I mean, one of the most impressive things I've ever seen Steve Dace do, and that's a pretty damn long list, where after uh, the 2016 election, after this show being never Trump, and all of us agreed on that, just saying he's our, he's our president now, and we gotta see if this thing is doable. We can't torpedo it right out of the gate. Uh, that took a lot of uh, courage of conviction. That's not a level of conviction that Mike Huckabee is showing there. We needed more Mike Huckabee of willing to put down the constant apology tour if he, in fact, had access to him all along in a way that like this show didn't and get him across the finish line about 
the constituencies that Mike cares about. One more clip. The man of the hour, Senator Tom Cotton. The Times issued a statement after it published it, saying this, we've examined the piece and the process leading up to the Republican, the, uh, the publication. This review made clear that a rushed editorial process led to the publication of an op-ed that did not meet our standards. Here to react right now is the senator himself, Senator Tom Cotton of the Armed Services, Intelligence, Banking and uh, Economic Committees. Good to see you, sir. Thank you so much for joining me, Senator. What happened with the Times op-ed? Was it rushed? <laughs> Hardly, Maria. I will say my op-ed didn't uh, meet the time standards. It far exceeded their standards, which is usually uh, sophomore left-wing drivel. <laughs> Todd, you get to go first this time. What do you think? Uh, there it is. Uh, outstanding. Um, obvious. Talk about one plus one equals two. Uh, and it goes back to what we already talked about uh, with our uh, guest. I mean, they just... they some of the most brazen liars, the people who now man this place called journalism that have ever existed in professional uh, uh, enterprise in this country. Aaron? That is absolutely true news. And, and furthermore, furthermore, you've seen over the last couple of months places just crazy, crazy bat crap left-wing places like Vice cut a lot of their employees I wonder, I wonder, and I'm saying this, I'm not trying to own the libs here. I, I, I honestly wonder if we're at the point now where places like the New York Times and the Washington Post have just made it to where there is no, there's no market. Right. For All those entities are a redundancy yeah, now. Yes. Precisely. Yep. So I think that's, I think that is, uh, I think that's apropos and I, I think... The senator is not fake news. There was no point in uh, ripping the Columbia House insert out of the TV guide for a 47th time with a penny to get a whole new batch of CDs that you were never going to subscribe and pay for later when they invented Napster, right? That's a good analogy. Okay, I mean, it, it, this is a redundancy now. All, all of the, uh, the entire left-wing blogosphere is a redundancy now. It has all been co-opted by the corporate leftist media. And... This is why this is why I have made the conscious conscientious decision to like I've got the president's Twitter account on mute. So even if you guys tweet in, in response, I don't know what he's saying. On purpose. On purpose. That's probably good today if you've heard. Okay, because because I it, it's it's to me that persona is the most annoying and grating aspect of his entire presidency. I just don't like fake tough guys. I don't, I don't dig it at all. Okay. That notwithstanding though, you know, I'm not really into cigar smoke, but if you're gonna put me in a civil war and the guy over there that's on his ninth stogie before uh, morning tea and you're, if, if he's the general and he's the one we got and he's the killer, he's the killer we have and the killer we need, I'll wear a mask. I'll, you know what I'm saying? I do. I'll talk to him from the other side of the door because I'm not afforded the luxury of the annoyance of his vices. And I think that's, that's where I have made, it, along with some of the accomplishments that Mike Huckabee mentioned, those things are true. Mm -hmm. I also think we've overrated those accomplishments, though, 
because of how bad the Republican Party was before he took over. Also true. All right, I think that I think that we have way inflated this. I mean, it, it, we were we were the political constituency version of a woman with a biological clock. You know, an attractive woman at forty or forty-two years isn't that the, the, a new reality show? A beautiful forty-two-year-old woman who couldn't find a mate. Now she's worried she's not going to have a kid, and so men are literally vying to impregnate her. What, didn't I read about that last week? I believe that's a new reality show. I believe it. Okay that's kind of what we as conservatives are with the Republican party. And, you know, at this point, you know, we, at, at, we realized after a while, no one, no one was even going to try to meet our standards. Wasn't even going to try. And yet we still have these, these natural desires that we would like to see fulfilled. Mm-hmm. And so if at first you don't succeed, yeah. you lower your expectations. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so a guy at 42 that had no shot in any context with me to get a single digit of my, of my seven. I'm now, you know, uh, I'm with him on Bumblebee and, and Tinder because the pickings are getting slimmer. So I, I think we've overrated his accomplishments because we have spent 20 years being abused by people named Bush, McCain, Romney, et al. True. That notwithstanding, though, the other big reason for my evolution is it became clear to me these last couple of years, civil war is upon you, whether you want it or not. And, and I'm just at that point, and again, this is just me talking. Steve Dace, individual, doing the mental math myself. I, I can't justify the angst and frustration and disgust and disdain I have with some of his vices, given the fact that there's a gun to my head pointed right at me from the left right now. We'll come back. Pop Culture Tuesday is next. So be honest, were you one of the many victims of the so-called quarantine 15 during the lockdowns here this spring. If that was you, the good news is summer is just around the corner. So let's just, you know, reboot all those New Year's resolutions and get back on the wagon, will you? Doctor Developed Riduzone is an excellent way to help you do exactly that because it helps you to curb cravings for the fattening foods that derail your discipline. And it's backed by two U.S. patents. It's also the only FDA-accepted product that includes OEA. That's the naturally occurring molecule that helps you to feel full faster, burns stored fat while reducing your calorie intake at the same time. So that's what's key because it's often not what you're eating, but how much. Get those portion sizes and cravings under control with Riduzone. And right now, if you use my name, Steve, as a promo code, you'll get up to 65% off plus free shipping. Up to 65% off plus free shipping when you go to the website, riduzone.com, R-I-D-U-Z-O-N-E. That's the only place you can get Riduzone is on the website, R-I-D-U-Z-O-N-E for riduzone.com. Use the promo code, Steve. You know, something dawned on me last break and I tweeted it out. Imagine you're an American leftist. No. And... (laughs) Let me try that again. Imagine being an American leftist and you get away with calling anybody who disagrees with you a racist at face value. You get the power to ban opinions and even whole platforms that you don't agree with. 
have them evicted from the public square. You control the daily media narrative to the point that the vast majority of your opposition media, which is where we work, conservative media, most of it is reacting to your narratives. I mean, how much, how much of what we call conservative media is actually proffering an alternative agenda and narrative as opposed to just countering the one that comes from the left, right? Right. And yet, despite all of those inherent advantages, advantages, let me try that again. And yet, despite all of those inherent advantages, these people's ideas are so insane, they still lose elections all the time. Think about that. I didn't even mention the control, the monolithic control over pop culture they have, which we're going to talk more about that here in a moment. So, I don't want that senator's op-ed in the paper. It's gone. And we, we will never do that ever again. Uh, Alex Berenson's ebook, first time ever, Amazon refused to publish an ebook. First time ever. I can, just, I can just evict people and whole platforms from the public square when they're inconvenient for me. I can immediately label those who disagree with me racist, misogynistic, xenophobic, homophobic bigots and have that literally end the argument in most cases. And my opposition spends most of its own infrastructure not creating a, its own narrative, but in reacting and responding to mine. And then I control pop culture on top of it. The most influential sector in all of Americana is pop culture. And yet, despite all of those advantages, my ideas are still so insane that I lose elections all the time. You ever looked at it that way before? Well, it reminds me of uh, an economic uh, argument about how the greatness of uh, American enterprise, as laden as it is, uh, and more so before Donald Trump came along, credit to him, but with regulation and the American consumer with high taxation, mm -hmm. how just the inherent quality of the machine is able to continue to go along right. and not grind to a halt. Right. You're making the same argument, but on a cultural level. But there's just a sooner or later argument to the entire thing, is there not? I mean, there's there's always going to be an 11th hour ultimately that that can't go on indefinitely let's talk about what also can't go on indefinitely all right let's let's get to pop culture tuesday when we look at the intersection between pop culture and conservatism and what's happening right now in the sports world is after it was vanquished following the 2016 election and it nearly vanquished espn and much of sports media and it caused, up to, by some estimates, a 17% drop in NFL. I can't remember if that was attendance or TV ratings, right? Sports wokeness is, 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 having a is having a resurrection moment right now. And a lot of it is because this is a much easier cause to rally behind. The, at least based on what we know, the obvious unjust death of George Floyd is a lot more. And even if he did have fentanyl and meth in his system, as the, uh, as the local autopsy report says, even if all that turns out to be true and uh, believe me, the, uh, the cops attorneys are going to, are going to bring all this out at a trial. We're, we're going to, we're going to know what really happened here one way or the other at this trial, I believe. But even if all that's true, it doesn't justify 
um, knee choking him for knee choking him out over nine minutes. Right. So this obvious, based on what we know, obviously unjust death is a much easier rallying cry than a multi-million dollar pampered athlete who whose parent whose adopted parents were white. Um, whose football coach that was the only one in a major school to offer him a scholarship to play quarterback was white. Meaning that white America has been fairly friendly to Colin Kaepernick. That's how he got where he's at. Frankly, they opened all kinds of doors for him. His coach in the NFL, Jim Harbaugh benched the white quarterback. That was the number one overall pick in the draft in order to start him who was picked in the second round in the middle of the season that happened. Actually the conservative Catholic. Guy yeah, did yes. That. Yes. Okay. And, and suddenly he meets a Black Lives Matters hottie. They start hooking up. He's, you know, now, you know, Fletch 6'9 with Afro. And, you know, he's, he's, he's on the, he's on, uh, you know, the, uh, the, he's on, he's, 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 he's on the public enemy tilt. Okay. And he's in, with, in between stacking up pairs of shoes in his closet. That's like 3000 square feet of shoes. Cause he's so wealthy and, and he writes cops or pigs on his, you know, $300 sneakers. That's not a transcendently sympathetic figure, right? Right. Right. George Floyd and what happened to him? That visual is. And so sports wokeness is having a, a, a resurrection moment right now. It's back. And this goes along with, in, in college sports in particular, we're in an age of player empowerment right now. We're going to get rid. It's not going to happen this year, but next year they're going to get rid of the long-standing rule. It's been there our whole lives. If you transfer, you have to sit out. Everybody's going to get to transfer one time and go wherever they want now without sitting out. We're finally going to do name, image, and likeness, which I've been a proponent for all along because I think they're adults and they're not getting back the value that they're putting into the agreement with the scholarship, as far as I'm concerned. But and now they're social media. And so you've got liberal, left-wing, white, social, fake, woke, social justice warrior media, you know, applauding these athletes, giving their take on racial identity politics in this day and age. What happens, though, when they learn, gentlemen, what happens when they learn that it ain't no fun, as my mama used to tell me, it ain't no fun when the rabbit got the gun? Because you know, hey, just as, you know, I've been saying, quoting this line because I just saw the movie again a couple weeks ago and reminded how much I love Star Trek First Contact. So I've been quoting this the last couple of weeks. Just like their Borg won't stay on deck 16, neither will ours, all right? So right now, George Floyd looks like a, I mean, that's, that's a unifying story. Even for a lot of people that don't support rioting and looting and Black Lives Matters, you're not going to find too many people that are like, hey man, that, that guy had it coming. Not going to find too many of those folks, even on the right. What happens though when the 24-year-old BYU players back from Mission, and 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 on his sneakers he writes, "Married Lives Matter." What what happens when the Tim Tebow-inspired kid at a college basketball player at a Notre Dame or a Gonzaga, or a football player at a Liberty? Although Liberty's got a great basketball program too. In fact. Boy, let's have it be Liberty. All right. I just did an interview with the Falkirk Center at Liberty yesterday, actually. I'm not sure when that's going to be out. But their athletic programs there are outstanding, right? There's no denying that. They've been in the last, uh, they were in the NCAA tournament, won a game last year, just won a bowl game in football. I mean, this is, this is, a, uh, this is a, among mid-major schools, one of the best athletic departments in the country. 
So what happens when Liberty kids start writing Baby Lives Matter? Or some Notre Dame, Gonzaga, Catholic University kid um, in the middle of the college basketball season during uh, Sanctity of Life Month writes Baby Lives Matter on their shoes. What happens when... What happens when, uh, you know, some Bubba at Alabama writes Second Amendment on his shoes? Right to keep and bear arms. On it. That, that's his Twitter bio. Right? This is going to happen. 100%. It's going to happen. Because we're going to delve into issues that there's a much more... Eventually, if you open the platform up, we're going to get to issues where there's a much greater divergence of opinion. You know, Barack Obama gave my football coach, Jim Harbaugh, a shout out last week for marching with black players in Ann Arbor over about police brutality. Notice he was silent, though, when the previous month, Jim Harbaugh was giving an interview to his old friend, the editor at National Review, and lamenting um, uh, America's sacrificing of unborn children. Notice that there was not a shout out for that. Hmm. So let's game theory this out. What happens? Do they just ignore it? Like they ignored uh, Jim Harbaugh's pro-life appeal. Gentlemen, what do you think? Todd, I'll start with you. It's going to depend a lot on the uh, the particular caste system. And that's what's happening. That is in place at each individual university you're talking about and the amount of leverage people think they can bring to bear there. You're, I think you're going to have to be at something like a BYU, at least the BYU that I believe it to be in my mind, or a Liberty University, uh, where you you are pretty clearly going to be able to do that thing because it is defended at the highest levels of the institution. You mentioned Gonzaga, you know, Gonzaga is a Jesuit university. It doesn't. I mean, that may as well be Berkeley. It's not going to matter. I like how you. I, I called it Catholic, and you yeah. came back with. That's actually a Jesuit university. It's not actually a Catholic school. And Notre Dame. I mean, Notre Dame. The the um, women's uh, soccer team. Uh, in the last few days, and I follow that team because it's a place my daughter is interested in going. Put out their uh, perfunctory uh, Black Lives uh, Matter. Right. statement of right. sorts i mean it's just you if you, you don't need to read it because you've seen it already now uh at notre dame that team could put out a pro-life statement if it probably isn't but it could and it, and it would be uh fine uh at boston college probably not so now we go down to um, uh, ohio state that's definitely not going to fly at alabama much better odds so you you have to there's a risk reward what alt, what pushback am i going to get ginned up if i step into that if i'm a progressive uh and woke they, they care much less about that than any other time mm-hmm. but you know are what kind of buzzsaw if you try to pull that at alabama you get versus what you're going to get at ohio state that there's still a calculus of some kind, I think, but the cast uh, and the calculus is about how powerful the caste system is at the particular institution it's happening in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't believe there's any calculation whatsoever. I think we're way past that point. I think it's pretty pretty simple. The answer to this, I think, the same people who are 100 percent behind what's going on right now, and you must. You must kneel during the national anthem to protest police brutality against African-Americans, the epidemic uh, that isn't here in the United States. Those same people 
who burned the witch Drew Brees last week. They are going to do the complete 180 <laughs> and uh, burn the witch. Uh, you can't say that. You can't do that. You can, they'll go, they're going to make the exact opposite arguments that they're making right now mm-hmm. against those people. So that's on social media. Now, as far as, let's just say, I don't know, maybe on, uh, on the armband or on the cleats, somebody has Baby Lives Matter. Here's what's going to happen at the networks. They're never going to show that. They're never going to mention it. They're never going to show that. There's there's no way, unless it's an accident, that that's going to go on air. On social media, the most leftist voices are going to burn the witch. Also on social media, they're going to have some takes from some moderate teammates who just say, you know, he really needs to have a conversation with the guys in the locker room about that. You know, we all have different opinions, but we all really need to be on the same page. And, you know, I'm sure that he really needs to just think through things a little bit more and just understand where everybody's coming from and that and that you know that way he can kind of just kind of kind of go on a listening tour and just be able to understand where other people are coming at for, with this and why everybody's so mad about it and and you know next time he'll, he won't be quite so bold about making such controversial statements that's going to be what's happening because we are so given over <laughs> the, the 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 culture is so given over to this right now and at large that that's going to be there's not going to be any calculation it's just going to be burn the witch. And at, at, at worst and at best, it's going to be, you know, you just need to maybe sit back and listen and and uh, understand why that's such a controversial statement. And you should not do that. That That's what it's going to be. I spent a few years ago, I spent some time going after what's his face that uh, started uh, pro football talk. Now with NBC Sports, I can't remember Florio. his name. Florio. Yeah, Mike Florio, thank you. Because he's 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 big cancel culture um, uh, grab ass, dude. And I'm trying to remember what athlete it was. It might have been, oh, it was when Tim Tebow was going to go speak at Robert Jeffress's church a few years ago. And he tried to cancel culture before we even knew what a cancel culture was. He tried to cancel culture Tim Tebow. He was still in the NFL at the time. And I just went in, and, and of course he does that Sunday night show during the NFL season with who every Sunday night? Tony Dungy. So I just went into Tony Dungy's Twitter feed. I just started sending and copying Mark, Mike, yeah. Mike Florio. Do you remember this? Yeah. On a whole bunch of stuff on uh, Tony Dungy speaking at pro family events, Tony Dungy marriages between a man and a woman. And I'm like, how come uh, cancel culture for Tim Tebow, but not for, well, except it wasn't called that then. It's just what we use now. But uh, you know, why the offense in the cancel culture, the uh, proto cancel culture at Tim Tebow and, and not at Tony Dungy? Why is he exempt? And of course, we know what the answer is. One guy's black and the other guy's name is Tim Tebow. And so he doesn't feel comfortable within his own ecosystem of coming at Tony Dungy. So he's just going to cognitive, dis, cognitive dissonance, pretend Tony Dungy doesn't have the exact same views Tony, Tim Tebow does, and go after Tim Tebow for them instead. I saw this earlier today, John Campia. If you're into fanboy movies, he's a great follow, has a lot of good information on stuff. But he was wondering why Warner Brothers came after the guy on the Flash TV show the white guy for racist tweets, but is letting Ezra Miller going for checking a woman or for choking a woman because Ezra Miller's gay. That's why they're letting it go, right? Yeah. We're going to see much more of this if you give all these athletes a platform and I'm here for it. We'll be back at it again tomorrow, noon to 2 Eastern, right after Glenn Beck. Until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.